Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Katie. And hey there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Woo! Grindhouse Girls podcast. And this week we are reviewing the 1973 thriller, don't look now, which is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. You um, can look at it there. Yes, you can look at it there. And yeah, I so it's really cool. So like a lot of movies uh, me and Katie have talked about, uh, I love this about Katie. So me and her both have a fascination growing up with the Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments list. Oh yeah. <laughs> which I really need to update, by the way. They I'm... need to do it. Hereditary <laughs> will like be top five at least. Yes, it's like Jaws may not be number one at this point, y'all. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So... That scares me. Jaws, I love Jaws. Jaws scares. But oh, yes. Every time I watch it, I like end up going to the beach later that year. And then I'm just like... Um, I'm just gonna stay in two feet of water. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, that looks fun over there. But no, I don't. I don't want to be eaten by a great white. Thank you. Bye bye. I know it's like so sad because like I have a persistent fear of great white sharks because of Jaws. But it's sad how many people have killed sharks because of that movie too. Yeah. Um, sharks, even though they're scary, are a very fundamental part of our waters, ecos, our oceans ecosystem. So, um, yes. You know, um, they're scary, but they're they're nece- they're they're a necessity. So um, I won't get on that soapbox, but I'm scared of sharks, but I would never harm one either. I know I'm. I love and hate. I love and fear them. I don't want to say hate them. I love and yeah. fear them. Yes. Like I think they're really cool in like the aquarium, and I'm like, oh, it's so cool. Like and like I love watching like Shark Week. I love watching it, but then I'm like, um, I'm gonna stay far away from y'all. Exactly. Like you seriously scare me. Did you see that Georgia Aquarium is just opening their shark ex- exhibition this year, too? Yes. Ooh. yes. Newport it... has one in Kentucky uh. that I've been to. I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have, like, a really cool place. They also had, like, an underwater, like, uh, walkway where they would have sharks. Cause it was, like, a coral reef, and they would have sharks, like, swimming everywhere. And it was just like, oh, hey, there's a shark just above me. Cool. Awesome. That is awesome. I love that kind of stuff. I love visiting the Georgia Aquarium. I've been um, three times now, and it's been amazing every time. But I guess I should, like, sidetrack back into this movie. So don't look now. Um, The ending to this movie actually was spoiled on the end of – or on – the uh, Bravos. That's it. That's the other thing. If you guys ever watched the Bravos, a uh, hundred scary movie moments, they they ruin a lot of movies. To be honest, mm-hmm. <laughs> they spoil a lot of movies. Um, yeah, yeah, I was really upset that this one spoiled actually the twist ending. I cannot believe they did that. At yeah, all. yeah. I mean, it is a terrifying moment, but I mean, now that you think about, it, there would be like spoiler alert, spoiler, spoiler, and here you are, like as a twelve year old, just watching all these, like, like oh, yeah, yeah. And, absolutely um, uh-huh that, oh <laughs> that Ooh. shit looks scary <laughs> yeah 
And then, like, you watch the movie and you're like, oh, that's just the ending. So don't watch it before you watch the movie. We're not going to tell you what the ending is. Yeah. Um, But it's scary. It is really, really scary. And, um, I I, I don't know, Katie, should I just kind of give a little bit of a rundown of this movie a little bit? I think think we should give a rundown um, Mm. before we get too spoilery because I do want to talk about it. A little unspoilery because I feel like I feel like there's at least a, one scene we can talk about without it spoiling anything. Yeah, um, that people probably want to hear about. I think you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, there's, there's <laughs> some risque things in this movie. Yeah, mm. but let's uh, let's do a rundown first. Yeah, and should I guess I can go over the plot first real quick. Um, yeah. So, like, the premise of this movie is after John and Laura Baxter lose their young daughter in a tragic accident, tragic accident, they travel to Venice after John accepts a job to restore a church. Um, while there, Laura meets two sisters, one of who is a psychic, who tells them that their daughter is trying to warn them of impending danger. Um, so, yeah, and that's kind of the movie. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. like, it's a very kind of simple premise, but... It's really not that simple when you watch the movie because there's so many layers to this movie, which is what yes. I really like about it. Um, the acting is stellar. Um, so Donald mm-hmm. Sutherland, who plays um, John Bas- Baxter, and Julie Christie, who plays Laura Baxter, um, they have so many rich layers to their performance that even though it's mainly the focus is entirely on these two actors, mm-hmm. it's a very... Oh, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. The ride is very... Um, I don't know. I keep coming back to the... It's, like, very layered. Like, this movie, I didn't really know what to expect just knowing about the ending of the movie and the haha scene we're going to talk to in a little yeah. bit. I, I didn't know a lot about this movie, but I was thoroughly impressed with this. I was, too. And I... So, I knew about what happens in the beginning, mm-hmm. and I knew the basic premise, and I knew... I vaguely knew what the ending was. Although, I didn't know if that scene was actually at the end or if it was, like in the middle um so but i didn't really know anything about like the director although he has done some cool things he's done um uh walkabout and the witches yeah there's a new the witches coming out but he did the original the witches adaptation of the rolled i don't always want to call him ronald doll and it's (laughs) rolled doll sorry Mm -hmm. matilda is one of my favorite childhood books um, I, I did not read The Witches because the movie scared me so much with Angelica Houston. Scary. I was like, hell no. So he's has a really great visual style. I do think some of the, like, the technology at the time, because this was in the early 70s, like, I think he probably got even better with better camera work, like, better cameras, because there's a lot of, like, cool, like, zoom-ins he does, but it's a little, like, like, catchy because... Yeah. It's an older camera, so I wonder if like, like once we got, they got better cameras, he his visual style got like a lot more explorative. Like I feel like the witches visually is, oh shit, my alarm went off. Sorry, I feel like the witches visually is very cool. Um, so I think I, there's there were just a couple parts like in the beginning with the rain, and there was like a lot of like focus and unfocus, and it was a little jarring. But then also, like, because it's a horror movie, the cuts being jarring kind of help, too. Yeah. You feel disoriented because you're not really sure what's going on. And 
especially because it takes place in Venice and Venice, I've never been to Venice, but um, I do have a cool wall plate that has Venice that's like antique that my grandma gave me, <laughs> but it's like, it's very cavernous and there's a bunch of little canals and it's apparently very easy to get lost in Venice, especially the part of Venice they're in because it's a very old part of the city. And I think it kind of adds to that feeling of disorientation, which yeah. is probably what they're feeling like, like, cause they're trying to find their footing with like, they've lost a child they've started a new job, they're in a different city, and, like, nobody can tell you how to grieve or how to move on, and it's always a struggle, um, and everyone does it differently, and it is very disorienting, and I think his camera work especially adds to that, as well as the actor's very realistic portrayal of a couple. Like, um, a lot of scenes were written, and then kind of rewritten as the actors improv because Don Sutherland and Julie Christie had very good chemistry and they really do feel like a real couple um, yeah they conversationally do. and things so I I really love their performances and I I had no idea what to expect with this movie so it was very interesting watching it I did wait to watch it during the daytime <laughs> I was gonna watch it Friday night when I was like by myself watching my parents dog <laughs> and then I was like yeah I gonna be good i think i'm gonna have to like you know watch it in the daytime so i watched it on my off day so i only got to watch it once but i really liked it um i, I loved it i thought it was really good and um it just it's also very depressing yeah but um it's a good ride yeah and it's also um it's based on um a short story that's also mm -hmm. called don't look now by daphne de moria i hope i i'm pronouncing her name right she's a very classic it's either there de Maurier. de Maurier? okay katie I may think... be a little bit better with the beautiful flowery european sounding more like i'm not i'm not, <laughs> i used to have to sing in french a lot growing up taking like classical voice lessons i hated it because I didn't speak French, and I there's so many freaking... I'm sorry, French people. It's nothing against... I think it's gorgeous language, which is why I always chose the French song, because it sounds really pretty. But um, it always... There's so many extra syllables, like, to your tiny 12-year-old brain, that I was always, like, real, like, confused. So I think... But I kind of know how to fake French. <laughs> so I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and you're, that sounds more correct than what I was going for. But um, she's a very she's a very pretty famous writer. Um, so mm -hmm. she's most famous for Rebecca. Um, which is which coming out. It is, yes. So um, I love Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. It's a great classic kind of thriller, scary movie. Um, keep in mind when we talk about scary movies in the 1940s, they're very different than what we think of scary movies now. But it technically was a scary movie. Um they're, they they're about to release a new redemption um, on Netflix, so be on the lookout for that. I'm not very impressed with the trailer, but trailers aren't always that great in terms of setting up the movie, so maybe the movie will be really good. There's, um, yeah, there's good actors in it. Yeah. But I'm, and it looks pretty. It's pretty But it looks looking. very bright. Yeah. And I was like, I thought, and I have the book, Rebecca, and I've started it several times, mm -hmm. and it's one of those books, like, I've started, and then I've gotten distracted, and I've never finished it. Last um, night, so I've I kept myself from watching it. So... I, I always think it has a very famous line, last night I dreamed I went to Manderley. Like, I always think of that line. Um, but, it's, but it's a, like, 
gothic novel, even though it was yeah. written in, like, the 50s or 60s? I want to say oh, maybe the I, 40s. I think it was in the 20s, because I feel like the adaptation came out in 1940. I could be wrong, but I thought Hitchcock's Rebecca came out in 1940. It may have won the best picture that year. Unless I'm I off a decade. Yeah. It was pretty um, popular when it was out. Oh, it was 1940. Okay, so Hitchcock's Rebecca was 1940. I thought so, because yeah. I think it won Best Picture. I'm curious when the book was published. Um, 1938. Okay. So, just like this book, see, Daphne du Maurier was a very, like, popular artist, like, writer in her time. Yeah. Which I think is interesting, because this story came out, I think, in the late 60s, maybe 1971. Mm-hmm. And they adapted it very quickly, and she actually really liked this adaptation. She um, did. She sent the director, like, a congratulatory note, because she was like, Hey, I really like the way you adapted my story. Good job. And keep like, in oh, mind, she's had, she's had like, I think, seven different adaptations of her works. Like, even The Birds, like Hitchcock's The Birds mm-hmm. is based off a short story she wrote. So, I mean, this woman was used to her stories being adapted, but she was often disappointed. Uh, Hitchcock's Rebecca and Rogues Don't Look Now are her, her only two movies, that her only two adaptations of her stories that she actually liked. Um, she so also she's... wrote Jamaica Inn, too. I didn't realize that. Jamaica Inn is interesting. I ended up stumbling across it when I was pretty young. I didn't really know what I was watching, but it was good. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I actually wasn't familiar with Jamaica Inn, so I, I did I was like, I I know she wrote it, but I didn't know what it was about. So, is it yeah, like a Thrillers too? It is. It's an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um, I can't even remember about it honestly i don't remember anything about it except i thought it was cool yeah there you go it's a period piece i i can't remember anything else about it. i was very young um but yeah she's a very accomplished author and she's very good at writing like moody depressing um pieces and i think this is one of them i would like to read the short story this is based on i didn't know it was based on her short story until after i watched it or else i would have read it yeah, I was like, that's cool. I was trying to find like a PDF before we uh, did tonight's episode because I really wanted to read it too because I know there was some difference. So it's not very spoiler alert to know um, the opening scenes are um, of their child, uh, Christina, uh, drowning. Mm-hmm. And I know Christine, in the short... Yeah, yeah Christine. Uh, but Christine drowns in the opening scenes. And in the story, she dies of meningitis. Um, but mm-hmm. I kind of like... Um, not saying losing a child in any way would be any less tragic, but it almost feels like a it almost feels like a form of self punishment that his daughter drowns and they go to a city that's literally filled with water. Like yes, I thought it. that too. Yeah. yeah, I was like, why would you go to Venice of all places? Like everywhere you go is going to remind you of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially like if we're going to talk about like maybe things we don't like just right off the bat, um, the drowning scene. Uh, mm. So, there's a lot of, like, moaning and groaning from Donald Sutherland, and it honestly took me out of that moment. I was like, why the fuck is he groaning like that? And I think, like, he's trying to, like, it made sense when he pulls her out of the water, but he's, like, going, first of all, he, like, leisurely strolls to the pond, and his son, because they have another child, a son, Johnny, and um, he's, like, just, like, standing there, like, chewing on his fingernails just kind of like watching it happen not trying to help his sister at all 
Yeah. You know, just like watch. And I mean, I know he's a kid, but he yeah. seems a little older than his sister. So, like, you would think you would at least, at- I don't know, attempt or like go run and get your parents. Instead, he has like a premonition that something's wrong. And he just walks outside the dad, well, Johnny, John. Uh, John has a premonition. Well, Johnny does run up. Like, because remember, there's a scene where he's running towards the house when John comes I guess out of so. the house. Yeah. But, like, the he just, like, kind of leisurely strolls to, yeah. the, to the pond. And he, like, walks into the water. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Your kid is drowning. There are precious moments. She's only been underwater for, like, a minute. There's still time. And then he, like, like cries and groans before he starts giving her mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and i was just kind of like as someone who's taken first aid and i took it like my mom taught first aid and i helped her so literally i took first aid like five times as a child (laughs) and then like haven't taken it since but like i was like what what are you doing like go go precious time yeah i was a little annoyed i was just like donald sutherland don't take this time to be slow and dramatic save your freaking kid like i needed a little more urgency and i was a little yeah. bit upset because like oh is this movie gonna be like this it's not like that it, that's yeah. the only scene that i was just like i don't i think they were going for like i i wish they had almost done like a slow motion like edit so like you could still like make up the speed in your head of how he was actually moving because it seemed like he was just moving really slow See, and I thought that was maybe a style choice because my interpretation of the scene was that you get the sense very early because you have um, Johnny and Christine playing outside. And it's not like something that happens very quick. Like, you have, like, a couple minutes to process this. So this is maybe, like, the opening scene, maybe, like, five to ten mm-hmm. minutes. Um, and they're outside playing, and then you have... Um, John and Laura, they're inside. They're having a cup of coffee. He's looking at his pictures for work. And... He, it what it is, he accidentally, like, knocks paint over, and he sees the red, and it looks like blood. And what it, what is so setting up, and I hope mm-hmm. this isn't too spoiler, uh, but I felt like you got this from this opening scene, and John knows something is wrong, but yes. he's fighting it. He's fighting it because he doesn't want to believe it. And mm-hmm. so, I think... When he gets that sense that maybe Christine, something's wrong with Christine, he doesn't run because he's like, I'm just psyching myself out. This is not real. This is not real. This is not real. And then when he doesn't see her, that's when he wades into the water because it's almost like shock at that point that something is actually wrong. And his his intuition was right, but yeah, he's ve- he's very skeptical. And this is something that it's a tragedy about this movie because he does have a gift that he's not willing to allow himself to have because he fights yes. it every step of the way. So yeah. that's the way I interpret the scene was that, um, was that like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry he, he, the cat had to be moved. It was really cute. Cause he just like, I didn't even see him in front of the computer. And all of a sudden it's just like, an orange ball of fur just like right in front of the camera <laughs> yeah he was like crawling across the keyboard and i'm like and you go over here um Aww. yeah i love you but you know better than that um but that's the way i interpreted the scene was that the reason it's so slow moving is because you're with him in the horror that like he's he knows something's wrong but he's like he's not willing to accept it and so when he finally does find her body it's probably the actual moment where he does accept that he was too late. That he didn't listen to his intuition and he was too late. And it's that absolute horror 
of the situation. But then the rest of the film, you go back to his skepticism where he just doesn't believe. And yeah. I feel like that is, like, part of the core of the movie is that Laura is able to grieve and John doesn't let himself grieve in the same way. And he's not open to the fact that he might have a second sight, which is a much bigger theme in this movie than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very much about having the ability to have second sight or psychic abilities um, and accepting it and using it for good. Um, because you meet these two weird sisters in Venice and one of them is psychic and the other one's kind of like her interpreter because um, one of them is blind and one of them is not and of course the blind sister like the oracles um in greek mythology are blind. not all the oracles but there was a blind oracle and i can't remember her name but she didn't have first sight but she had second sight um and it's very like poetic and um i do like the fact that you don't really know if the sisters are good or bad for a very long time and i love that i'm not gonna say what they are until we get into spoilers but they are very suspicious and see i didn't feel that way i felt like really? yeah i felt really? like so i know the sisters are heather and wendy and then heather mm-hmm. is like the sister with the second side and i felt like right off the bat they cast a woman with a friendly face like i felt like heather's face was like sweet yeah. no 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 no. their faces are but then they keep getting these like cuts to them laughing mm-hmm. by themselves and like i I, you know, you're like, are they laughing because they're just having a good old time? Or are they laughing because they're, they're trapping the, yeah. um, what are their last names? Baxters. Oh, the Baxters. Yeah. Into, like, something terrible. Like, I, I, I gotta, like, I couldn't tell if they were good or bad. Yeah. Um, because, like, it could be that they're charlatans and they are just trying to, uh, coerce something emotionally or monetary or, um, for their own game gain for like from the Baxters because it's very obvious the Baxters are like not rich but like they're 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 hanging out with the bishop of Venice like they know some high up people so like they would be people to take advantage on of and they're grieving and that's like you look at cults and you look at things like that and the people that join cults are usually people who are grieving or lost emotionally and so like i don't know i couldn't figure out are they witches like evil witches not not good witches not the good witches we like the good witches but like the bad witches are they like bad evil people and they're like casting a spell over them because there is a lot of supernatural stuff in this movie which i found very interesting because i i kind of thought this movie was going to be way more realistic and not really be okay with super like i I thought it was going to like use supernatural stuff as like an excuse um, but it, it really embraces it as something that kind of coincides with religion, which is what I've always felt like. Like, I've, and maybe it's because I grew up Catholic, I don't know, like, real old school Catholic my family is. Um, because, like, seeing your dead relatives isn't scary to me. And I think I've mentioned this before when I was three, I, I, I'm, I'm totally open to the fact that maybe I was just seeing things or maybe I'm misremembering, but I saw my dead grandfather f- friendly wave to me as a child. My sister apparently supposedly used to talk to him. Um, I haven't seen him since then, but I also had a very weird thing happen after my grandfather died where 
a stereo turned on seemingly on its own and started playing his like favorite Willie Nelson song, um, which is what he was listening to when he died. So like, I, I'm not afraid of like relatives contacting yeah. me. That's fine. I am afraid of like just random ghosts that I don't know, but I'm also very skeptical of people who tell me they've seen ghosts. Just like, I won't blame you if you're skeptical about me seeing a ghost because like people make that shit up for television and for other things and uh, I think it's cool and I don't know I don't I don't think it's an official church teaching of Catholicism but I, I know a lot of Catholic people who are both very superstitious but also very skeptical like they're very much like oh it's you know if if you believe in a higher power you kind of have to believe there's some thing beyond us and that it could probably make contact with us because if we keep going on Who's to say we can't contact those still here? There's nothing wrong with that, which is why, like, I'm, like, a skeptic. I'm an, I'm an optimistic skeptic. I'm like, I want ghosts to be real. Because, not really, because that means people aren't, like, moving on, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But I want an, an afterlife to be real. And I'm open to people, like, contacting me if I know them. <laughs> but, like, the whole, like, just your house is haunted and, like, just random things happen, that scares me a little bit. But I also, like... The first thing I put up in my new house was my crucifix in my bedroom because, like, I I don't play around. You put your crucifix up the first time you move into that house because, like, you need it up there. And I know I'm superstitious, but I think Catholicism it runs a very close channel next to, um, like superstition and ghost stuff. I don't know. I mean, it's a very strange religion. If you look into Catholicism, we we believe that bread and wine become Jesus every week, and then we eat it, and we believe that Jesus uh, rose from the dead after three days. It's it's a weird it's weird and out there, and I think that's why a lot of people who are part of older religions, I think Judaism probably falls in this too. Although I have Jewish friends, I am not Jewish, so I'm not one hundred percent sure. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like older religions do they like they're very open to like afterlife experiences whereas like i feel like modern day religion like especially like conservative christianity like they almost see it as like evil to be into like seances and stuff like that where i'm like i don't think it's evil to like want to talk to the people that you miss um i do think you should be careful but i think that's the whole thing bring it back to the movie sorry (laughs) john and laura have this like issue where she's very open to their daughter contacting them from beyond the grave whereas he is like she's dead stop talking about her like she's still around she's dead and he's cutting himself off from that yeah and there's a push and pull of that and laura's just trying to be like no she's telling us that we're in danger and we need to listen to her and he's like we don't need to listen to her because she's not contacting us because she's dead and gone. He obviously doesn't really believe in an afterlife. And there's a little bit of religion in this movie because it is taking place in Italy. He is um, fixing up a, a very old Byzantine um, cent- Byzantine century, Byzantine time period um, church, Catholic church, and there's a bishop involved. So it's like, it's there, but it's not like... It's not, like, the biggest theme of the movie. It's more of, like, supernatural and believing in, like, talking to those beyond the grave and being open to things. And Laura's open 
and she's open to supernatural and she's open to psychic ability and she's open to grieving whereas john's closed off from all those things and he's suffering emotionally from all of them you know and i mean like laura doesn't even like there's at some point the bishop just asks her like are you a christian she's like i don't know i'm nice to children and animals (laughs) and i was like i mean that's what i'd probably say that too if i was unsure by religion i'd be like i'm nice to people yeah i mean i don't know i love it (laughs) it's really cute too like it made her feel like a really real character because i'm like i could very see myself saying something similar and john even just kind of is like a little charmed by it but he also gives her some shit about it he's like what are you doing well because because she was like why did he ask me that and he's like because you kissed his ring yeah because like most bishops don't come up to you and say kiss my ring i've never yeah i don't think i've met the bishop of our diocese a few not the current one but the one before that because he did my confirmation and my siblings confirmations so i met him a few times i think i even like altar served once with him i want to say i've never kissed his ring i've never felt the need to kiss his ring i maybe the pope i don't know i i do know people that have met the the pope before no he's he he lives in rome now i have a former teacher who's a priest who lives in the vatican now and he w- lived in the Vatican for a while. He went to school in the Vatican, um, but he's an American. And he knew Pope. He met Pope Saint John Paul II, and he met uh, Benedict. He liked Benedict. I don't know. There are some weird things about Benedict. Um, but he was like, I mean, I cried and kissed his ring when he met John Paul II. I I don't know if I would cry if I met this. I mean, I think he's a nice man, but I don't know if I would be as moved. I don't know if I don't I feel like Pope Francis probably doesn't make people kiss his ring. But I guess if you want to. I've just never been cool with kissing other people's rings. Maybe I'm too much of a germaphobe. Especially in the time of COVID. I don't really want to I don't want to kiss anyone's ring. Sorry. I'm sure you sanitize it after every kiss, but it's just it's a little weird for me. I don't like it's a little it's a little too worship of a human being for me. Yeah. I'm like, you're a priest, yes, you gave up a lot of things for God, but you're still you're still not god you're not jesus himself you are maybe a representation but you know i have you know and also we won't talk about anti-catholic things we don't need to be depressing this movie's depressing enough um anyways but but for me like i i'm not like anti-supernatural but I, there are lines I draw. Like, when people start being like, let's draw a pentagram yeah. and play with a Ouija board, I'm like, hell no. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't know that. that I, have, no. I have friends who talk about playing with Ouija boards, and I'm like, count me out. I am not that stupid white girl. Thank you. No. Like, um, but um, I'm the same way. I believe in a lot of supernatural things. Um, I had... I, I probably still honestly have a gift. I wouldn't say I'm like John, but... What I would say is that I did see a lot of things when I was a child um, that my parents still talk about to this day. Um, And as I got older, um, I still can sense things. I have a very strong intuition. I'm the type of person that I can usually tell when someone's about to announce they're going to get married or have a baby. Um, And I just don't ever say anything. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. (laughs) I just don't want to be... I don't want to be that weird person. Um, I also know sometimes I can guess when the song's about to come on the radio seconds before it comes on radio. Um, So I wouldn't say, like, I'm clairvoyant. I would say a lot of people probably have gifts like that that you don't really have an explanation for. You just kind of have a strong intuition. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of intuition about 
people, a lot of times if I don't trust a person and everyone else likes them, six months later, like, everyone else will be like, man, that person was a douchebag. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I've known the whole time. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I, 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 I haven't really been wrong. Yeah. Like... Even, yeah, even with myself, I mean, also, like, that's a little bit of, like, I was just a very trusting person, and I learned to not be so trusting of people, because people suck. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do, like, I do get deja vu a lot. Yeah, I do, too. things like that, and, you know, but again, like, I haven't had anything, I don't want anything scary to happen to me, but I haven't had anything, like, that scared me. Um, but I have had, like, things where I'm just like, oh, that was weird. Which is why, like, to me, I don't find it old-fashioned to have religion. But I also don't feel like you have to give up science to have religion. I disagree when people are like, oh, well, either science is right or religion is right. I'm like, I don't, I don't think you have to have either or. I think you can have both. I also think it's okay to explore different aspects of different religions. Like, I think, like, meditation and yoga... And, like, because I didn't know, but apparently a lot of Christian people are against yoga because yeah. it's a form of meditation. Yes. From Buddhism. And I don't think God thinks Buddha's bad. I just think yeah. he, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm okay with, like, I think it's okay to take a little bit from everything, you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, as long as you know what you believe, I guess. Or what you don't but, believe in. I'm not saying you have to be religious. I'm, like, I'm not trying to push religion on anybody. If you're not religious, that's cool, too. Um, yeah. Because certainly religion has done some really shitty things to the world. Yeah. Um, we won't talk about the Crusades or, you know, anything like that. The Spanish Inquisition sucks. Off topic, on topic. I don't know if you heard this before, but I always heard, because I was born on Midsummers near near the summer solstice, they say that kids born around the summer solstice have supernatural gifts. Also, children around the winter solstice do. And you were born... Yeah. So... (laughs) I was going to say, what about the winter solstice? (laughs) Yeah. Me and Katie... have different kinds of clairvoyancy. Yeah. Me and Katie, uh, to our dear viewers, are actually exactly six months apart to the day. So... (laughs) We are. We're born... Exactly. Like, it's not even just, like, in the year. We're, like, six months apart. Mm -hmm. Wait, am I older or are you older? I think I'm older. You're older. You were born in December before I was in June. So... Yep. She's my sweet summer child. (laughs) Yes. So, but I'm a I'm a John Snow and you're a, a brand. It's fine. Oh God, no. well, Daenerys. We'll call you Daenerys. It's fine. But we're not. I was about to say, do I have a do uh do I have a better story than everyone else? Probably not. Well, he doesn't. So why do you sorry, think Tyrion? This way? I was like, no, Tyrion, you you go be king. This is fucking boring. I I liked Bran, but, oh, Bran. Before I uh, break this fucking clipboard over the desk because I'm starting (laughs) to get so angry. (laughs) Um, I guess we'll go back back to the movie. Um, But, yeah, you definitely have. Oh, yes, panky, panky. You definitely have that that push and pull. So I'll kind of, like, make it a little bit quick um, before we go into this beautiful beautiful fascinating scene that people still talk about years later uh-huh. um, so um laura goes into this restaurant she meets john they're still recovering from their child's death that's when they meet the two sisters and the sisters literally mm-hmm. tell laura they get her in the bathroom by herself after the one gets something in her eye and they're like i see your little girl she's sitting in between you she's still there she's laughing and afterwards laura faints uh, yeah. they take her to a hospital 
And one of the little boats, what are those boats called that are all around Vaporetto, Venice? I think. Oh, oh, um, what gondola. Are they... There's a Thank gondola. Thank you, the gondolas. There's gondolas and vaporettos. Yes. And they're both present. Yeah, so that's what they take her on the gondola to the hospital. And she literally wakes up, like, fully changed, like a new person. And John even's like, so I happy. don't mind. Yeah, he's like, I don't mind because I haven't seen her like this in forever. Yeah. And, but there's this great scene um, everyone talks about. Um, it's in the <laughs> hotel room. And John and Laura get it on. And I have to say. Dot com. This is the most realistic sex scene I think I've ever yes. seen in a movie. It's, like, it really honestly seems like a just a couple who knows each other but passionately cares about one another, body and soul, are just, like, making love. And, it, like, I would say it's making love, not – it's uh, it's not like sex. It's not like porn because the – it's just – it seems realistic. And there's been a huge discussion for years, apparently. I didn't even know about this scene in this movie until right before we watched it. Um, but people have been like, oh, it was unsimulated. Like, they totally had sex. They didn't. Like, yeah, Donald Sutherland's been like, no. There were six people in the room. It was the most unromantic thing. It was the first day of filming. Yeah. By the way. And they had, like, loud cameras. Like, they didn't silence the cameras. So there's just this going. And, like, apparently the director was just like, yeah, touch her tits, kiss her boob. Like, not in that way. But not in a bad way. But, like, he was just like telling them like how to position themselves and it's edited so well yeah exactly i think that's why so many people think it's real because the way it's mm-hmm. edited it really did feel real like i was watching it so intently and i was like oh my god this feels like i can see and i like probably like what you did i read everything i could like okay was this real was there any chance it was real and every official source was like no this is not real it looks incredibly real but everyone that was on set that day is like no 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 this was not real. right but i mean yeah it's wonderfully edited and what's really interesting one of my favorite things about this movie is actually the way it's edited. So, during mm-hmm. the scene, there's juxtaposition edited shots of them getting ready for dinner that night. There's mm-hmm. a very lovely score. It's, like, a very simple, like, it's very a 70s guitar. Yeah. Romantic. Apparently, it was supposed to be, like, a really big orchestral number, but mm-hmm. the director was, like, it was the only time they disagreed, really, about music was this, and then playing the theme, because they kind of repeat this theme over and over. Uh, in the beginning, he wanted it to sound more childlike, and the guy who was playing the music was so good that, like, he was like, no, no, it sounds too good. You just sound like a kid playing the piano, which adds to it. But, like, the director had him kind of, like, knock it back to a more simple piece, and it also has flute in it because yeah. the guy, and I forgot to write his name down, the composer of this movie um, was also a flautist, like Lizzo. So, um, they, um, yeah, Lizzo's a flautist, by the way, concert flautist. I think, I've, I've seen her play the flute, like, a couple times, uh, like, in shows, and I was like, yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten to go see Lizzo, but. Yeah. On video, I was like, cool. Um, yeah, it's, like, flute and guitar and piano. It's very 70s sounding. It kind of yeah. reminded me of, like, the music in The Goodbye Girl, if you've ever seen Goodbye Girl. I haven't, actually. <gasps> It's my mom's, like, favorite movie, and it's one of my favorite movies. It's a 70s. I mean, they turned it into a musical, and Bernadette Peters and Martin Short were in it. Um, but it's it's this, um, it's a great 70s film. Martha, oh, what is her? I can't remember the actress's name, but it's 
it's really Marsha Marsha Madden or Marsha McFadden maybe mm, she was married to the author who wrote a play I was in called Rumors Neil not Neil, Neil Simon Neil, Neil Simon yes, Neil Simon sorry yeah. I was like oh my god it's like it's like one of the most famous 70s 80s playwrights ever Neil Simon wrote the screenplay for it he was married to the lead actress she does a fantastic performance but she's a retired Broadway dancer who has a little girl who acts like a little grown up and her boyfriend leaves her and she's really depressed because she always gets broken up with because she marries actors and she dates actors and they always leave her for something else and her boyfriend sublets her apartment from under her and it's to Richard Dreyfus, who is a, an actor coming from Chicago to his first New York play and of course they fall in love um but just fabulous acting it's a very funny it's a romantic comedy but it's like a dramedy and um highly recommended it. it's it's we probably won't do it on this because it's not weird um yeah. but it is it is definitely one of my favorite films and i've always wanted they turn into a musical i would just love to do it as like a like a play like i was like oh, i want to do this play it's so good and it's just like the writing is so good because it's neil simon neil simon is a fantastic writer yeah um, he wrote a lot of he wrote barefoot in the park too um and it's it quite a few but rumors i was in rumors in college and it was one of my favorite shows i ever did oh. anyways sorry goodbye girl it's a great movie but the music reminded me of that because it's very 70s yeah yeah and it's i i loved it i love it it's like so simplistic but so sweet but yeah that's definitely um something that I will admit, like, that scene, I'm like, I can see why people talk about it years later. Because, I mean, it's still pretty erotic, even for nowadays. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's but not... But it's like... Good. It's not, like, pornographic, but it's still, like, oh... It's, it's realistic. Like, they're going for it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Because, like, there's one thing, like, okay, this <laughs> is... I don't... Maybe I read too much into love scenes. I don't know. But a lot of love scenes not counting this movie but a lot of older love scenes like people are topless like especially the women in the scenes like are topless but nobody ever really like touches nipples yeah or like kisses them because that is very intimate and it would be very uncomfortable as an actor to be not romantically involved with someone and then to be like hey i'm just gonna like touch your nipples like that's pretty that's pretty personal um or like or like kissing your shoulders and stuff or like going at it from a side angle like or conolingus is definitely uh hinted at although you don't fully see him like go d go for it yeah that's something that a lot of times um if you if there is a scene that implies there's oral sex performed on a woman you get slap wet x rating or nc17 rating to this day that is Whereas, something. like, you can have blowjob jokes oh, yeah. all day in long. Oh, yeah. In a PG-13 movie. In a PG-13 movie, if it's a boy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because, like, people... I think that's one of the reasons why, like, people aren't as... I don't know. I feel like people think it's really taboo. Yeah. And I'm like, how is it taboo if given, if a blowjob isn't taboo? I'm sorry, Mom yeah. and Dad, if you're listening to this episode, by the yeah. way. There's a... But if a blowjob isn't taboo. <laughs> there's a great... Why? There's a great documentary, um, and I haven't seen it in years, and I was actually trying to find it 
earlier this year to watch with my husband called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Oh, um, yeah. We talked about this on an episode. Yeah. Because I have been trying to see it, and I can't um, find it anywhere. It's so good. But that's something they talked about was the difference between when female pleasure is displayed in a movie versus male pleasure. Yes. It is automatically censored, censored, censored. And this movie... um. I think in Ireland, when it debuted, that scene was completely cut from the movie. Yes. Yeah. And apparently American audiences, he had to cut nine frames from it mm-hmm. for America to get an R rating. Which, like, it is, it is really, I, I hate calling it graphic. I'm going to call it realistic. Yeah. It's intense. But it's also, like, it's, like, it's like hot. It's, like, oh, God. It's like, steamy. Yeah, yeah, it's steamy. But, like, it's not, I don't feel, like, like, I'm watching porn. I don't feel like, oh, because I don't know. I've, I'm not kink-shaming anybody. But I always feel, and again, Catholic guilt, I guess, like, if I ever, like, glimpse at porn, I'm like, I, I feel kind of, I don't know why. Most porn is just kind of, like, I, it's not dirty. I'm not trying to call it dirty. It's just very much, like, like, there's no passion. Yeah. Like, you don't feel like the people really care about each other because they're co-workers and they're just it's their job um not saying there's anything wrong with doing porn and i'm sure some people uh like that kind of uh porn but there i mean i'm sure there's different kinds i'm not really a porn connoisseur so please don't judge me but this movie i think the reason why it feels so steamy is because you do feel like you're like almost like watching a real intimacy because it's very obvious that they care about each other and if you're in a relationship where you care about each other having a good time in bed, it's it's because you care, like, you love each other. Like, you really, truly care about one another. And I think it almost feels like you shouldn't be watching this because you're, like, sitting in their room watching them, like, just have a very private, intimate moment. But it shows how much they care about each other because yeah. I think, I think the director said this, but I agree with it. There's a lot of scenes of them fighting throughout this movie, and I think if they hadn't had that scene, I wonder if, like, Irish audiences who didn't see that scene, if they had a very different idea of their relationship. Because I was like, oh, like, they're kind of fighting all the time. But I was like, but they obviously love each other. Yeah. And it is, like, I love how they intercut the scenes of them getting ready, because it just seems so realistic. Like, yeah, real people have sex at home. And it's awesome and hot and steamy, but then they're like, oh, I guess we gotta go get some dinner, and then you have to, like, get dressed and shit, and go out and live life. Yeah. So, like, it's a normal, everyday occurrence, and it's, I don't know, it's a very beautiful scene, um, but they did spend a lot of, like, it's it's a pretty long Yeah, it felt like at too. least a couple minutes, honestly. It may have not been mm-hmm. a couple minutes, but it felt like it. Yeah, which I guess isn't very long in lovemaking standards, but... You know, it's editing, so. Exactly. It's editing. I mean, exactly, exactly. It's like, wow. Um, But actually, right after that uh, scene, they go get dinner, and then they're kind of playing around, and they get, like, kind of a little bit turned around in the canals. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the second time in the movie we catch a glimpse of a figure, a small figure in a little red hood. And um, Mm -hmm. the first time we see this figure is in the very beginning when John's looking at photographs of the church. He sees a figure in the red hood in one of the photographs. His daughter, when she drowns, is in, like, a red rain slicker. Yep. And then he's seeing this again. So, um, it's, it's like, genuinely frightening. It's almost like, it's one of the first moments in the movie that, like, so, unpopular opinion. I don't really get scared 
when I watch old scary movies like this, I get more paranoid. Because it's almost yeah. like those... It's the kind of thing, like, when you're walking around and you see something out of the corner of your eye, and you're like, am I imagining this, or is this really happening? And it kind of yeah. pumps fear into your heart, and you just want to get out. Mm-hmm. Which is what they do. They I feel con- despair yeah. and paranoia, definitely, mm-hmm. in this movie. Like, it's very, like, sad, but then also, yeah, like, and disorienting. Yeah. Because you're just like, what the fuck? Because they, they get turned around, and then, like, they finally, like find their bearings and they're like oh we were like one street over from like this big bustling street which is kind of like big cities are kind of like that like new york's like that like you'll be like three blocks from like Times square and it's real quiet and kind of creepy and then like you like turn a corner and there's like all these people everywhere and you're like oh okay wasn't so scary after all um which that's really the only there's only a few big cities i've been to so those are my references are cincinnati ohio uh nashville Atlanta and New York City. And Atlanta is eerily quiet. I don't like walking around Atlanta because it is, like, super quiet. And I feel like if something bad happened to you, people might not find you. Whereas, like, in New York, it's like there's so many people everywhere. I mean, not now, obviously, because of COVID. I'm sure people are staying inside. But, like, there's so many people that I'm like, you know, I'm not as afraid of New York because people will see a crime happening to you. Unless you're, like, really stupid and you go somewhere where people aren't around. Like, it's it's almost comforting. But there's something really scary about getting lost in a city that you're not super familiar with. Um, especially, like, when you're alone and there's nobody else around. But, yeah, you do see this figure. And I don't know. I guess we might need to give a spoiler warning because I feel like we're going to get into some, yeah like, light spoilers. So, this movie is available on, what, Shudder? Yeah. Uh, no, this movie is available on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, I it's highly recommend, but um, skip to the end <laughs> after the timestamp uh, after we get done talking about spoilers, because then you'll know what next movie I'm going to pick. Because I'm still trying to figure that out in my head, but I think I have some ideas. Um, anyways, so, yes, yeah, so they get lost and they see the red raincoat, and I think before this scene, um, you see the police um, and in uh like in an area like they pass by and there's a bit of a traffic jam and then like they just overhear the police say homicide and they're like oh that's not good so yeah you're like oh and apparently venice has been plagued with um a series of serial killings yeah which is real fucked up but it's the 70s so i mean par for the course really yeah exactly so you're like and it's like when you're watching the movie you really don't even think about it you're just like oh this is unpleasant like it's adding to the eeriness but then it all ties together so yeah so john and laura end up seeing um the sisters again and laura ends up talking to the sisters more and i think there's a kind of point line um where she's asking heather specifically she's like do you think i can talk to christine and she's you know she's like i don't really believe in bringing god's creatures back from peaceful rest or something to that point mm-hmm. um, yeah she's like i don't want to like i feel like they're it's a little cheap and disrespectful yeah. and she's not like it's evil she's like i think it's a little disrespectful which is where like that's why i was like you know i i kind of like the idea of like clairvoyancy is maybe a gift from a higher power and it's not an evil thing necessarily and i don't know if it's just because we live in the south where there's a lot of like people that just assume if you're different you're evil um not everybody i'm just saying there is a 
old school thought process yeah. to things that are different um, in the South. And I'm sure it's like that, like, in other places, too. But the South is the Bible Belt. And people, I hate saying this, but they use the Bible um, not for great things. Um, but this lady's, like, respectful. She's like, listen, I know you want to talk to your daughter, and I will try for you. But I feel like it's a little disrespectful. Which reminds me of, like, that season of Buffy where Buffy goes to heaven and then her friends resurrect her. And then she's like, fuck y'all. Like, I was in fucking heaven and you ripped me out of heaven and now I'm, like, afraid I'm going to be damned for all time. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, that's, that is, like, the best part of the musical episode of Buffy is because, spoilers, it's just, I mean, it's just one season. But Buffy goes to heaven, but her friends don't know that. They just think, they don't really understand afterlife they don't know that there's a heaven so they just think she's just dead and in nothing and so they bring her back to life and she's like really depressed because she was like happy being dead because she was a good person and she's like now she's like now i'm just depressed like i don't know have you watched buffy i'm sure oh okay yeah it, you'll I, forget about it by the time you get to that season oh it's okay like i know so much about buffy because i have so many friends that watch buffy so even though i've never seen it i know a lot of things about it totally worth it it's totally worth the watch i avoided it until i was in title of show and i was singing the song die vampire die and i decided to watch buffy the vampire slayer just kind of on a lark and i was like damn i really like this show and then i made my chair for the show because we decorate our own chairs uh it says susan the vampire slayer in the buffy font i painted it because i was like because i'm a vampire slayer just like buffy i was buffy for halloween last year too Aww. That's I wasn't, awesome. it wasn't the the Buffy costume I was looking for. I want it to be her, like, the prom, the homecoming one where she, like, was wearing, like, a white homecoming dress and then she had a leather jacket on with, like, the ponytail. But I had some, like, red pants and I wore some, like, some tall boots. I wore my actual, like, early 2000s boots that I still have and, like, with the square toe. Like, they almost look like Frankenstein boots. Because ah. um, that was, that was a big thing in the early 2000s. It was the first pair of boots I bought with my own money. Um, and I still have them. They're from Rave. Oh, wow. I remember, remember that. Rave? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were probably like $20, but I earned that money and they were my boots. Um, so yeah. And I, I brought my, I took a picture with my crucifix. So. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, Buffy's cool. Like, I love Buffy. Especially if you were like a 90s, early 2000s kid. Yeah. Anyways, enough about Buffy. They are gonna, um. They're going to talk to Christine. I don't think this was as scary as the Changeling, though. No. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. So yeah. this scene was a little like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was a little unintentionally funny um, because they're atten- they're attempting to communicate with Christine, and Heather just goes crazy. Um, and I think she starts screaming John's name over and over again, doesn't she? Yeah. It's almost like she is, like... I thought she was maybe, instead of channeling Christine, maybe she was channeling the lovemaking session earlier, because she's, like, grabbing her breasts. Yeah, she's, like, rubbing them, like, aggressively. Going, oh, God, yes. Oh, John. I'm sorry, I just grabbed my own boobs. Yeah. Um, no one can see, because it's under the camera, but anyways. Um, but yeah, and I was like, uh, it is kind of funny, but I think it's supposed to be kind of funny. Um, and also, like, she asked her, like, oh, are you crossing your legs? Apparently, um, the director and Julie Christie went to some real seances mm-hmm. in England, and apparently one of the, the seance persons was like, no one crossed their legs. Yeah. I don't know why. 
I don't know why that's a thing, but apparently you're not supposed to cross your legs when there's a seance. So, uh, yeah, so it was a real thing. But, yeah, it's kind of funny. And then John's, like, about to go check on her, and then he hears all the hubbub, and she's like, oh, John. And he's like, what the fuck? And so then there's these people that only speak Italian. And John speaks Italian. This is what confused me, because John is speaking Italian. Not great. Like, it's very obvious that he doesn't – he's speaking broken Italian. But, like, he is speaking Italian to, like, the workers. But then all of a sudden he's in a hallway – and he just keeps saying English, English, and I'm like, but I thought you spoke Italian, dude. Like, just speak Italian to those people. Yeah. Um, which maybe he just understands more than speaks, and maybe it's too complicated of a situation to explain himself. But he kind of just runs out. Yeah. And gets drunk. And something else that's really interesting too is, um, they never put subtitles, so you're kind of disoriented like the whole yes. time. Yeah. So every time yes. they speak Italian, I'm glad you point that out. yeah, it's like there's never any subtitles, so you literally have no idea what John is saying or what the people are saying around them either. Um, but so what happens is Lork ends up coming back to the hotel, and just like basically they're told that Christine is trying to warn them of something, and once again they get into this argument uh, where like John is like she's dead. And I thought this was really fucking harsh. Like, Laura does not say mm-hmm. it harshly, but it was really harsh. And she goes, well, maybe you always let the children. You said they can play whatever they want. Maybe she's trying to tell you she's forgiven you. And I'm just like, that is like a low blow. Like, mm-hmm. a super low blow. And she said it, like, in such a friendly, like, natural tone. But it really bothered me. She also said something like, well, you're the one that let them play wherever they wanted to. Yeah, exactly. But she doesn't say it angrily. But I was just like, uh, listen, when a child dies, you want to blame somebody. Yeah. I think that's why so many marriages fall apart after the death of a child, is that when there's no one to blame, you blame each other. Because you need to put that blame somewhere. And, you know, I guess because, I mean, I did witness one of my friends die when she was very young, and her parents are apparently back together last i heard but they did like go through a period where they were not together um she died of cancer it's like no one's fault that she had cancer but i think it's even harder when it's an accident yeah because there's a great play called rabbit hole yeah and it kind of deals with this too like what do you do when it was just an accident like how do you need something to put your grief at and your anger towards and if there's nothing to blame then you start blaming the person closest to you but, I mean, I don't think she really blames him. She just kind of is, like, trying to prove her point, And yeah. she's just, like, grasping at straws. She's like, well, you are the one that told them they could play anywhere. Yeah. And then she died. And maybe secretly she's been harboring that resentment for a while. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, too, is just that she's doing anything to overcome his skepticism because she's, like, so in it and she's so happy and she's wanting to believe, like, there's this great thereafter and Christine is there and she is truly happy. And you can understand that. Like, you can really understand that. But they end up, they go to bed um, and they get a call. Not having sex this time. Not having sex this time, yeah. And they go- Actually, he has to go throw up, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But they wake up in the middle of the night, and they actually get a call from their son's headmaster. Um, 
and back in England and they're like and it's this is an interesting thing too because it feels like the men in this movie are very bumbling through things and so like mm -hmm. he tries to explain what happened to their son and finally the headmaster's wife just takes the phone and she's like hey your son got hurt you know blah 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 blah. they think he'll mm -hmm. be okay but we wanted to call you let you know and as you can imagine um Laura's like I'm gonna go tomorrow like I'm gonna go see him which would be mm -hmm. my reaction, too, like, if it was my time. Also, wasn't it weird that, because they're in Venice, I think Venice is so far away, but she's like, oh, I'll be there this morning. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, because in America, anywhere in Europe is, like, a day flight at least. But she's like, I'll be there in a couple hours. I was like, oh, yeah, because it's just in England, and it's literally just, like, driving from Alabama to, like, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Well, that's maybe too far. Like, probably Alabama to Virginia, like, long drive but in a plane it's just a couple hours so i was like oh, cool and they get her out and then john has like this terrible accident at the church yeah and this scene i read about this scene and i listened to a couple interviews so there's this mosaic that's like high up on the wall in the church that he's restoring and the bishop has a friend which also i feel like they played the bishop and the inspector who will come to play, like, in two scenes from now, they played them kind of like, are they sinister or not? Like, the bishop, they keep, like, going to, like, his cross, and he keeps, like, fingering it. <laughs> that sounds gross. But, yeah. like, like, rubbing it, like, like, I don't know, just kind of, like, in a sinister way. Yeah. And he's a sinister minister, you know? And um, he's like, I was like, is he bad guy? Is he with the sisters? Because to me, I was like, I'm not sure who the bad person is. And I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I feel like they were throwing shade in a lot of different directions towards people. So, like, maybe you're just confused about who is the bad person. Is it somebody? Is it a trick? Is it, did somebody, like, trap them there for some supernatural evil reason? Who knows? But I just like the mystery of it. Anyways, he has, like, a friend that refires all these mosaic pieces, but they're going to have to reattach them because mosaics are very tiny little things. And it's a Byzantine church, so, like, the Byzantine Empire. Or it's a Byzantine time period church. And there's a lot of Byzantine influence, and they were real big into mosaics. I'm sure everyone's seen that picture of, like, the king and queen from Byzantium. Where, like, everyone's seen that picture. It's, it's a very famous mosaic of them. Um, what's her name? Thea. Thea something. Theodora? No. Mm. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I feel like I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, anyways. So, anyways. So, he's he gets up on the scaffolding himself. And it's, like, suspended in the air. For me... And, by the way, the church was already had the scaffolding up, which is why they used that church. But for me... I would want scaffolding that I climb up so there's something underneath me. But instead they have scaffolding that's just hanging from the ceiling. And I know that's how Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, but I don't trust it. Yeah. And obviously you shouldn't because he's, like, putting something together and it just kind of completely obliterates. And he is, like, hanging by a rope. Fun fact about this scene. Did you read this? Okay, so Donald Sutherland literally almost died. Not that he knew he almost died, because there was another stuntman that they had hired, and he was supposed to do this stunt. Well, the stuntman said, your insurance isn't on the, like, for, something was wrong with the insurance, and he was like, I don't want to get killed, I'm not doing this. And they only had this church, the inside of this church, 
for like a day. So Donald Sutherland was like, hold my beer. I'll go do it. And the director was like, thank God. And they put him on, and I don't know a lot about suspension in theater and movies because I haven't done it myself. But um, they hung him on a Kirby wire through his sleeve. Um, and <laughs> meow. <laughs> the cat just went meow. <laughs> Which one is it? Canada. Poke. Oh, Canada. Hey, Canada. Oh, Canada. Yeah, she goes, hey. <gasps> oh, hey, Canada. Hey. You want, you want to talk to Katie? Canny. Canny cans. And meow. Meow. Oh, there's tears. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you hear her now? <gasps> oh. <laughs> you guys want to talk? Okay. No, you just want to sit there. She... No? Okay. That's fine. Yep. Anyways. Okay. So, Donald Sutherland says, hold my beer. He's hung by a Kirby wire, which I'm not sure. Ex- he didn't know what a Kirby wire was. He just was like, oh, it's a wire. It's going to hold me. And he, but he ended up like kind of holding onto the rope the whole time. He never let go of it. And they only did it, I think, in one take because that's really all they had. Um, years later, he's talking to a stunt coordinator in Hollywood who like compliments him on his great stunt work when he finds out that he was the one who did that stunt he's like oh thanks but it was really nothing because like i had a curvy wire the whole time it was fine he's like wait what you had a curvy wire and he's like yeah and he's like but you were swinging around in a circle he's like yeah and he's like yeah that would have snapped the curvy wire that's not how curvy wires work and so luckily he did not let go of the rope because that he literally was doing what his character was doing. And he didn't know because he just kind of trusted whoever was doing it. So the other stuntman was much smarter. Uh, but at least Donald Sutherland uh, is still alive. Yes. And um, doing uh, Hunger Games movies. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Pride and Prejudice, you know. I... And my personal favorite, Animal House. Because apparently, the, I didn't realize this movie was older than Animal House was. Oh, Yeah. Um, which it makes sense now that I'm, but Animal House takes place in the 60s, so I always get confused when it was filmed, because I'm like, wait, it came out in like the early 80s, late 70s, but it takes place in the 60s. But, um, like, there's a, there's Donald Sutherland butt in, um, Animal House, and there's a lot of butt in this one, and I guess this movie just, he was like, everyone's already seen everything but my dick, so might as well... To show my butt in Animal House. Exactly. He has no shame, and I love it. Exactly. Um, that's the thing about the sex scene. You never see any penis or vagina. You don't actually see that. I you, feel you like see everything else. I feel like you do see some bush. But I mean, like it's at the top. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's at like, the that's top. That's not that risque. No, not like super I mean, risque, but still a little. I guess for the time, though. Yeah, it was probably risque. Um, but yeah, so he has this terrible accident, and he's like, "Oh my god." Christine was right. I need to get out of here. But then he gets on a boat and he sees hey, Laura and the two weird sisters on a like a in, dressed in like funeral attire. And he's like, "What the fuck?" And he yells for Laura and she doesn't hear him and he's like, "Oh my god, the weird sisters have done something to her." Yeah. And that leads to some confusion and that's where we meet our creepy um inspector, which the actor apparently only spoke Italian, so he uh, said all of his lines phonetically, and therefore, like, he seems really, like, weird, because he doesn't really know what he's saying, and I think that adds to his character being kind of distrustful 
Yeah. Um, but it, it might, again, it's kind of a red herring. As, so is the priest and so is the weird sisters, which I kind of love that they're red herrings, but they never tell you which one's the red herring until the very end. Yeah. And I like that too. Um, so yeah. And that's it. So, well, actually, I think after the accident in the church, he thinks that was what Christine was trying to warn him about. Yeah. So he yeah, feels, yeah, yeah. he feels safe at that point. He's like, okay, cool. Like the crisis avoided which i do love yeah i do like one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie is when the guy finally gets him from the rope he like bear hugs the guy and like kisses his face yes. like i'm like yeah legitimately that's how i would probably feel too like <laughs> he's so yeah. happy um so i love that scene but yeah he does see uh laura on like this funeral gondola and um he kind of freaks out because he's like she's supposed to be like in in you know britain and He's like, oh my god! So he goes to the police. He's like, she left. He this can't get a hold of her on the phone. Yeah, he's like, she left yeah. this morning. She left this morning. So they like do like police sketches of the sisters and everything because he's just like sure the sisters kidnapped her or something. So then he gets back to the hotel room. The headmaster. Oh, and they've switched their hotel room too. Yeah. So he goes to their hotel and they're gone. He's like, oh shit. Yeah. He's, like, seriously freaked out. And you can imagine, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be freaked out, too, if, like, my spouse was like, hey, I'm going here, and then I saw them in the city. Um, yeah. Which is... And no cell phones, so how the fuck do you get a hold of them? Yeah. So then it's like, he's back in the hotel room, though, and he gets a call from the headmaster, and they're like, oh, good news, your son's your son's doing great. You want to speak to your wife? He's like, what? <laughs> he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, and, like... <laughs> You literally see, like, the world kind of crumble around him because she's just talked to him to him like, Dora, and she's like, can you believe it, darling? It's a miracle. He's perfectly fine. And he's like, Laura? Laura? She's like, yeah. Where where are Uh you? And she's just, like, Uh going on and on. And you're just like, I mean, I would be sincerely freaked out, too. Like, that's the kind of... Although, I was going to say, she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. But she's British, so it sounds way classier. Mm-hmm. But she's she's very much like, oh, yeah, everything's great. I was so silly to worry. And he's like, uh, are you okay? I just saw you. She's like, what are you talking about? Um, it's great. <laughs> the, the, the one thing that does bother me about that scene, though, is that right after Laura's like, I'm going to come on home. I'll be I'll be home this evening. We can go to a nice dinner. Um, the thing that bothers me. Well, I think she also thinks crisis avoided because she thought the premonition was about their son yeah i think well no what, so i think she's fine too what bothered me about it was that like they are like do you want to say bye to your son and she's like no i already said bye to him and i'm like yeah. that kind of bothered me a little bit because it's like her only living child and she's just like no he's okay like <laughs> he's okay well maybe she are she knows she already got knocked up with that hot loving session so oh yeah because they do make some weird comment the sisters are like Yes, it was so sad because they have, like, pictures of all their, like, family members. And one of them was like, oh, yes, I lost my son, but I had two more after that. I, you know, at that age, I bet you could have more kids, too. And she's just like, uh, okay. Yeah, which is, like, like, really insensitive to say to someone who just lost their child. Yeah, because it's just like, oh, you can just replace them, right? It's like, I mean. But then they say that, too. She's like, you can't replace the one you lost, though. Yes, yeah. but I was just like, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, however, Heather's the one that is like, you can't replace the one you lost. Whereas the Wendy, mm-hmm. the the sighted sister, is very like, just like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. She reminded me of the aunt in, oh, some British show. Oh, mm, like, it's not Mary Poppins, but like, she reminded me of someone like, like the maids in Mary Poppins. Mm. Or Katie Nana. Even though Katie Nana was kind of a bitch. 
um, <laughs> from the beginning. But she, like, looks like a very, like, warm British, like, nanny. Um, <laughs> so I was, like, it was, it's, like, she's so warm, and Heather is kind of, like, quieter. But then the more you get to know Heather, the more you're, like, oh, she's so sweet. Yeah. And she just genuinely wants to help. Um, but until, I think until, like, this scene, when he goes back to the sisters, when he finds out, he's like, oh, shit, I've made a terrible mistake. He's set this creepy inspector, which the inspector says some weird shit to him. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if it's, because he's trying to figure out what's happening with the murders, and he's kind of insensitive to him, and he thinks he's wasting his time. Even though he, like, apologizes for everything, he goes and gets Heather and walks her out back to her new hotel room yeah he does the specter says this very weird line that stuck with me he goes i feel like men as they get older they look more distinguished women tend to all look the same as they get older and i'm like that's kind of sexist but okay so fuck you too mm -hmm. but yes but on subject john does walk um header back to her room and you feel like john is very uncomfortable the whole time there's like this overwhelming sense of like anxiety that's just loomed over Palpable. him yeah exactly mm -hmm. and but you know like heather seems to be thoroughly enjoying herself she's just talking with him about the city she's like it's so nice to have a man like helping you yeah yeah when she explains she's like i really like venice because all the canals make everything echo better and i understand my surroundings a lot better which i'm like oh that's really cool she's like my sister hates it because everything echoes but i love it because i you know feel like i know where i'm going more often um which i was like oh that's cool she's just very sweet and kind and you're like oh so maybe she is okay but then like wendy gets back to the hotel room okay and here's here's why i thought they were kind of suspicious they kept trying to give everybody the same whiskey before like contacting dead people and I was like, is that, like, arsenic? Or are they giving them psychotropic drugs so that they hear people? Like, are they charlatans? Nope. They're just nice old ladies who like some whiskey every now and then. And they're trying to calm their nerves. And, like, a normal person. Like, I know when my grandpa died, we definitely gave my grandma some whiskey. Not a lot. Just a little. Because she was very upset. And it was like, sometimes you just need a good stiff drink to get your mind off of all the anxiety you're feeling. Yeah. Um, but then Heather starts having, like, a psychic episode and bordering on a seizure. And it kind of scares him away. Yeah. Um, but then after she gets done, she's like, Wendy, you need to go get him right now. And she tries. She doesn't try that hard, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> she does try. And then Julie comes up and he's already gone. And then we see our mysterious red hooded figure oh also we've seen already seen another body being pulled from the river yeah we do so. it's like we see a young woman and it's like a very graphic thing of like four or five men trying to pull her up from the river mm -hmm. and she's like dead and i mean yeah. it's so sad too although the real person wasn't because apparently she blinks in the film which i didn't know oh i didn't know that too. trivia that's really cool <laughs> i was like oh okay I felt, so she was really alive she's fine i felt bad though for like the actual corpse because like her dress is like hanging up over her head so yeah. like you see her because they took her by the feet yeah yeah although at least she's wearing full coverage underwear but that's like so humiliating yeah like that's the hardest thing about like when people are murder victims like just depending on how the killer leaves them this is um, this is so 
Sorry. Not okay. This is off You're topic, okay. but I was talking to my mom about this. It's something very, very sad, but I, I'm very grateful for. So I don't know if you were reading about this, but I got, like, lost on this Wikipedia page of, like, um, bodies that, like, were never identified. And now the majority of them have been identified. Because, like, in the 70s and 80s, there were so many young female hitchhikers that were killed. Like, you have, like, orange socks and stuff. That they were, like, she was in orange socks. She was completely naked. But she had orange socks mm -hmm. on, so we called this body orange socks. And you had all kinds of cases like this. And now, yeah. now because there's a DNA database where people are, like, putting their DNA, now they're getting matches. And they're like, uh, hey, is there a chance? And it's like people's sisters are coming forward and being like, hey, that's my right. sister. Um, which is incredible, yeah. but really sad. But sorry, I was thinking about that. There are also yeah. um, Jensen and Holes, the Murder Squad, which is a great true crime podcast. It's produced by the Exactly Right Network, um, who, the people that do My Favorite Murder, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark started producing it. But it's Billy Jensen and Paul Holes. Paul Holes was the detective, the detective who put together the Golden State Killer. Um, right before he retired, and Billy Jensen is a crime writer, journalist, journal, journalism, journalist, and he covered the Golden State Killer, and so they met through that, and um, they they've covered a couple serial killers who took pictures of their victims, but their victims are unidentified, and they've been putting the pictures out. Um, so check, I think it's like their first or second episode, because, um, but if if you you know at all are interested in trying to help id people it's really helpful to go to these databases even if you can't give your dna um if you can go to databases and if you recognize somebody it's really helpful to give a name because it's like if you don't have dna because some of them like you don't have dna maybe you just have a picture and the person they've never been able to find the body um if you have a name it's so much easier to track that person down um, and figure things out, but until you have a name with that body, it's just, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if, if you ever, uh, feel like w looking through some weird pictures of people, like, one of them was, like, I can't remember the serial killer's name, but he, like, used to, like, coerce women by, um, doing modeling jobs, and then he would murder them <gasps> and dump them in the desert. Yeah, so that's the woman that was, like, seven months pregnant, and they found, they found out who she was. Am I thinking of that one? That they found, like, a model... Who was seven months pregnant because they had he had pictures of her, and well, he had hundreds of yeah. pictures of women, so he like had a lot, yeah, like a lot of victims, yeah. Um, and maybe maybe some of the victims weren't murder victims, maybe they were rape victims or just assault victims, yeah. Not that it's just, but I'm just saying, yeah, like, not maybe they're still alive, yeah. But that's the other thing is they're trying to like figure out who's still alive and who's dead, and so it's it's and some people like especially if you work in identifying bodies if you recognize a john doe or a jane doe in one of those pictures like reach out to that police department because they can help identify your jane doe or your john doe um because the saddest thing is when someone is murdered and they are never identified oh um, sorry to be depressing no and i was about to say <laughs> so while you were talking i was like also thinking about like i think they actually found out who um who orange socks was and she was killed in 77 identified in 2019 so this was a murder victim that was identified 32 years later i didn't realize this but they believe she was killed by henry lee lucas who what henry portrait of a serial killer was written about ah. yeah uh, so but yeah i was trying to see which one 
they were covering because it was like one of their first ones because I went on their website and I was looking at all the pictures. Um, was it? Oh, okay. William Bradford. William Bradford is the one that they have a bunch of photos of him, his victims. Wow, yeah. And also Terry Rasmussen. This is their first two episodes were both people who, like, took pictures of their um, victims, but a lot of them haven't been identified. Some of them were, like, young girls, like, teenagers. Oh, wow. And most of them are, like, adults, but, like, I mean, it's and the thing is, like, it wasn't, like, I don't know, like... The modeling can be so innocent and it cannot be innocent. I think we talked about that with the Neon Demon and like just like thinking like, oh, I'm gonna get a modeling job and really someone just wants to murder you. Yeah, it's so it's, sad. That's why I don't go to random jobs. Yeah. I don't go to auditions alone. I don't do anything like well, that because I'm just like, Thank God no. we now live in an age where it's like if you go somewhere to meet someone new you'll literally can text a friend, family member like, this is where I'm going. This is who I'm meeting. Mm-hmm. This is screenshots of our chat. Like, you, yes. Yeah. Heck, my cable guy or internet guy had to come by, and I was like, Mom, Dad, if you want to stop by, it's fine. But I was like, but I'm going to text you and call you and tell you, like, what the person's name is when I show up. I, mean, I only knew his first name. But still, I was like, this is the person. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a serial killer. He seems totally normal. But, you know, I... Yeah. You know... <laughs> know i don't trust anybody this is this probably because i like true crime so much exactly and this is an unpopular opinion but i recently um for prime day since we were talking about prime day i got ancestry dna kit my husband bought me one because that was gonna be one of my christmas presents he's like let me go ahead and buy it you can have it early and hopefully you'll get your results back around christmas because it's an eight-week results process Mm -hmm. um and one of the things with ancestry they're like would you um they 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 have you fill out some questionnaires when you're mm-hmm. registering your DNA kit. And they're like, would you be open to che- seeing other possible DNA matches um, that may be related to you? And then would you also be willing to let us keep your DNA on file? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, because mm-hmm. I always sit there and think about, like, I never wanted to come down to it. But if there was some case that my DNA could help someone out in the future, whether it's identifying a body or a missing person. Um, or a serial killer. Yeah. Hopefully not. I hope that's how they caught the Golden State Killer. Hopefully not. He's like a eighth cousin removed or something. Oh yeah, well that's better. I'm like hopefully like no one in my close family would be a serial killer. And sorry, we're gonna stop talking about marriage and shit and genetics. Sorry, we got distracted. Yeah, we're actually at the end of the movie. We're at the end of the movie because we're afraid of the end of the movie. um, Oh my god, it's the end. The end of them in the movie. Yeah, and it's so like John literally, and I get why okay so now it's like for the first time he did it i was like what the fuck are you doing john because he follows the figure into a church and he locks the door behind him but what is he thinks that there is a man pursuing the figure he thinks the figure is a yes. child and he's trying to protect the child so he goes up the stairs and he hears crying and he's reminded of his daughter and he's like I'm not gonna hurt yeah, but first you. He like locks the figure the damn has door, his back, which was an idiot. yeah. He locks the damn door, and Laura and a police officer are trying to scream at him for the door. He just keeps following this figure, and he's like, he sees it. He's like, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna hurt you. And then the figure turns around. It's not a child. It's an adult. 
and they yeah. have a fucking butcher knife and they just they just whack him in the jugular and then he bleeds out yeah. in a church and it's awful and but it's awful because his life flashes before which his is kind eyes. of beautiful so like the whole movie flash it's beautiful because it also has that very soft theme right. music that we see in the love making scene but it all hits him that what he was seeing on the gondola was actually him witnessing his own mm -hmm. funeral it was a vision and so it all becomes clear that everything he was trying to run from and not pay attention to and not give in to was like a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. But he also, like, the thing that bothers me is, like, if he had just listened to his wife, he'd probably still be alive. And Christine actually was trying to talk to him. He just didn't listen to her. And he was running away yeah. from it. And, yeah, it's it's pretty shitty. Um, but I will say, I, I admire this movie for... Um, sticking to the sad ending because um, it is very sad but they also like the director wanted it to be kind of beautiful and I think it is because like he he's not remembering the bad times like he's not remembering like Christine drowning he's remembering like being with his wife and being happy and oh my god I've had such a wonderful life so like could be more depressing they kind of juxtapose it so it's still really fucking depressing also I was left with the question did they catch the damn murderer Maybe because the door is locked, so they might have been able to catch them. Yeah. Um, also, I kind of hated that we don't know anything about the murderer except that they're just—they are yeah. a uh, adult of short stature. Apparently, the woman who played the murderer was a singer by trade, um, which I was like, "Oh, that's cool, awesome." Um, but yeah. she, you know, she doesn't really say anything. She just shakes her head and just like whacks him, and it's just like. What the? Why are you killing people, bitch? Um, also, yeah. don't lock the door behind you if you don't know the person you're with. Like, jeez Louise. Also, I don't know, is this like, is this people with, like, is this a little person shaming movie? I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it's like gratuitous that's, about that, though. That's something, so it's very interesting, and obviously I don't have dwarfism. Um, obviously I've love Peter Dinklage who plays Tyrion in you. Game of Thrones and I feel like he's probably he's probably the only uh, actor I really really know with um, dwarfism. Brent, you forgot um, about Gary Oldman. I'm just kidding. From Tip Oh Toes. god and Tiptoes. Yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, no. But supposedly this was I did not read further into this but obviously this was based on a short story. Mm -hmm. The murderer in the short story was a little yeah. person, and supposedly there was a trope at the time about like a psychotic dwarf. Um, I don't, I didn't read further to know if there was more stories where this was a product of this time, but I think realistically, I think it's also my opinion nowadays a little bit more honorable to say, well, yeah, there is a possibility a little person could be a murderer. There are person, well, yeah, that's what like, like, I'm like, it doesn't change. They could be crazy, and it makes so, it makes it make sense because. She, the person is the same height as his daughter and so you yeah would, and his daughter's like nine and i remember like i did have a teacher growing up who does have a form of dwarfism and like he brought his little daughters to our high school dance a couple times it was adorable his wife came too it was really cute but he, he they were he was chaperoning oh. and they were like his dates it was adorable but like they were about his height a little taller and they're about the christine's age so like you know and he's he's pretty tall for a person with dwarfism so um it's also it's also kind of freaky if you think about it that if this if this 
person, this woman, used the hive to her advantage, and oh, maybe I'm that's sure. why she's killed so many people. I'm sure she pretended like, yeah, she was she's... a child. That's why she wore the hood, so people couldn't see her face. Yeah. So they thought she was a kid, and that's probably why she got away with it. Also, it's a yeah. female serial killer, which is interesting. It's very yeah. interesting, yeah, that they chose to go that route. So it would have been really, really, I mean, maybe that's part of the charm of the movie is that we don't really know right. why she's a killer. But it's just also so fucking tragic. It's tragic yeah. that, like... He finally he, gives like, into his, like, his premonition. And he's like, it's my daughter. It's not your daughter. Oh, shit. Um, it, yeah. It, yeah. Like, it's so Grecian. It's so Grecian, mm-hmm. the way it's set up. Like, it's like a Greek tragedy. It and it's like, if you had just, like... If you had given into your gifts rather than tried Avoid to uh, hide yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You would still been alive. And if you had if you had allowed yourself to grieve the way your wife did, you would have still yeah. been alive. And that's like the true tragedy of the well, movie. Well and, and so. it's true, like people who bottle their emotions up suffer emotionally wise. Not trying to shame anybody, but it's okay to let your emotions out. Maybe not violent emotions, but it's good to get therapy. We just had mental health awareness week day a couple weeks ago. Totally yeah. good. Uh, yeah. Totally good to get help and to vent your problems to a, a professional. Um, highly suggest it. There's nothing wrong with it. And you have to let yourself feel those emotions. That's why, like, me going through what I've been going through the last few months, like, sometimes I just let myself cry. And it's okay. And I'm very lucky that I have family and friends that, like, Britt and my friend Barbara, <laughs> just, like, I, she was hanging out at my new place, and I was just, like, I, don't, I started talking about my ex, and then I just started crying. I was like, oh, it's just so sad. And I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, it's fine. She's like, it's a shitty thing, and it's okay to cry. Like, I'm very lucky that I have friends and family that are like, it's cool to cry. I can't imagine, like, having friends and family who would say it was shameful for me to feel emotion. But that's the thing with this movie is that his wife has no qualms with him being emotional in front of her. And he doesn't really, when it comes to, like, being a passionate lover, but, like, when it comes to just grieving his own child, he, like, shuts shuts down. And it's so yeah. dangerous to shut down your emotions when you're grieving. Um, you, you have to feel those feelings. Because if you ignore them, they will come back in a really bad way. Um, we don't want something like fatal attraction to happen. And exactly. you just you gotta talk that shit out sometimes, you know. You do. Um, you do. And it, I mean, Hereditary does this too, but Hereditary is almost like I don't know, punishing her for getting therapy. Hereditary is just fucked up. This movie is really just it's pretty fucked up. But I think Hereditary is just like there was nothing she could do about it. This movie, I feel like yeah. he could have stopped it by just listening to his wife. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just very sad, and I feel so bad for the family. And they even, I found it a little weird that they bring their son to all the way to Italy to have the funeral, but they're from England. Well, he Donald Sutherland's from America, but like they live in England. I was yeah. like, uh, okay, but that's how they see like the Vaporetto, which is like the big funeral barge, and the bishops um, doing his funeral, which made me think like I was like, so I wonder if uh, if she converted. Like, after that, she was like, oh, oh yeah. shit, I have found religion because, like, my dead daughter was talking to me. Like, because, like, I don't, I mean, they don't make it a big deal. But it's interesting that the bishop's doing his funeral and they've had, like, a Catholic wedding. I mean, wedding. <laughs> a Catholic funeral. <laughs> I assume. Maybe it was just a prayer service. That, that's a little different. We did that for my uncle 
um, because he was kind of, he'd gotten really into Buddhism, and he wasn't super fond of all things Catholic, but also, like, his parents were super Catholic, and my aunt worked at a, works at a Catholic, uh, school that's really old in Cincinnati, and that's where we had the, uh, funeral, prayer service, memorial, whatever you want to call it, um, but in, like, this really beautiful old chapel at that school, um, you know, but we didn't have, like, a full-on mass, because if you have a full-on mass nowadays, they make you, you, you can only choose the music from their selection. They've, like, gotten really strict oh, lately, yeah. and you can't have a eulogy. You can oh. have the priest say something you've pre-written, at, but you can't have a eulogy for some reason. Um, it's just a recent thing. It happened, like, the year my grandfather died, and it was a big hubbub. At, we had to sneak. There was there were two songs my grandmother wanted at both the funerals, her funeral and my grandfather's. We had to, like, sneak them in, and we, like, pissed the priest off because we were like, no, my grandma wants this song, and we're going to sing it. Screw you. He was being a hard butt. Like, he was being a jerk about it. Like, yeah. I was like, dude, like, it's a funeral. Someone is dead. People are grieving. What does it matter what songs we sing? This is when I get mad at the Catholic Church for being rigid about shit. They're like, women can't be priests, but, you know, we're going to push abuse under the rug. It's like, come on, y'all. Whereas it's it's a beautiful religion by itself. But when people get involved, with like with all religions, people muck it up. Yeah. Um. But it's okay. It's okay. Like, it's everything. Okay. But I found it interesting. I was like, I wonder how she found religion interesting or was it just like the bishop was our friend because the bishop has a premonition right before like he starts waking up in the middle of the night right before and so does the detective and heather like they're all kind of like something's wrong something's wrong but they don't know what except heather knows but they couldn't find him in time wendy should have ran wendy needed to do some cardio and catch up to don southern yeah i was very disappointed in wendy Exactly. You're just like, okay, well, thanks, dude. You literally walked out to the street and was like, John? John? Huh? Oh, well. She's like, I totally but maybe, maybe, maybe she just wasn't, like, maybe it's like, well, I'm more concerned about my sister that seems to be having a seizure than I am this she random guy. She was talking again. It was fine. Um, I know. You know something else fun about the movie was that Donald Sutherland was wearing a wig the entire time? Yes, I heard that. Like a curly. And he said it just had like a snap in the front, and he was, he was. Uh, I was watching an interview with him, and he was rewatching the love scene with the person interviewing him, and he was like, "Oh my god, I'm so skinny." And he's like, "Is it?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, it's so realistic." And he was like, "You know, I'm not even paying attention to that part. I'm just paying attention to how good the wig actually looks because I thought it was going to look terrible." <laughs> it was like yeah. oh, that's funny. Um, also, okay, this isn't funny, but we were talking about water. I forgot I read this tidbit of information. Originally, creepily, they wanted Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner to play the couple. Oh, that is, that is messed yeah. up. Which, I mean, this yeah. was, you know, a decade before she drowned. Um, and he... Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think... I don't... I, having read a bunch of the stuff, I don't think he actively drowned Natalie Wood. I think they got into a drunken argument and he yelled at her and he maybe like I don't think he pushed her but I think like he's probably the reason why she was by the boat and fell off I don't know or he pushed her I don't know I don't think I don't think Christopher Walken killed anybody but I I don't understand why Christopher Walken's not 
okay with talking about it. Like, he doesn't really talk about it, and everyone always forgets that he was on the boat. Maybe he feels guilty, because Robert Wagner was yeah, super Yeah, I mean, jealous. I would think... Yeah, I would think so. But, I would think, like, if there was something you could have prevented, and maybe you didn't. Yeah. And that's... But yeah, I don't know. You know it's, like, it's a very sad situation. Um, yeah. And I do hope we eventually find out exactly what happened. But it does kind of sound like maybe they were just having a fight, and... It was just a terrible accident, but I don't know. It's just, there's something weird about nobody wanting to talk about it. Like, yeah, just clear the exactly. air, you know. Anyways, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was really creepy and creepy that, like, this big movie in, surrounded by water, and Natalie Wood was terrified of water and had premonitions of herself drowning, and her mom had had premonitions of her drowning, and her mom was kind of crazy. But she kind of, like, put that anxiety on Natalie, which is why Natalie was so scared of water. And then she ended up drowning. Enough about that. But I just thought that was a creepy tidbit of trivia that they were trying to get That is to really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Warren Beatty was dating Julie Christie at the time. Yes, he, he was. was real jealous about the love scene. Like, he wanted them to take out oh, the yeah. movie. Probably why she ended up not marrying him. Yeah, well, they actually end up starring together uh, seven years later in Heaven Can Wait, one of my mom's favorite Aww. movies. So yeah, she, I, mm-hmm. she had already won an Oscar by the time she was in this movie because she won it for Darling, which was like a decade before, I think. Maybe not quite that long, but it was many years before. And um, it, she was Laura, another Laura, in Dr. Zhivago, which I have seen, but it's very oh, yeah. long and very Russian. Um, very depressing. <laughs> But it's interesting. And then Shampoo was a few years after this, which I always heard about Julie Christie through Shampoo. I kind of forgot about Dr. Zhivago, but I've never I've never actually oh. seen Shampoo. But Well, she was also in Away From Her, which was like a big movie. Uh, probably like her most recent yeah. movie that won a lot that of was awards. Recent, yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, it's going to put an emotion on um, for some reason. Um, and then, of course, Donald Sutherland. I mean, how do you not know Donald Sutherland? But... I always forget he was also Hawkeye in the original MASH, which I prefer. Mm-hmm. I like Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin? No, Alan Alda. I always get their names mixed up. Alan Alda, I think he's a great Hawkeye. But I don't know. I finally saw MASH the movie, and it's Donald Sutherland and um, the uh, what is his name? Uh, mm, I never remember his name. But Monica Geller's dad from Friends. Oh. is the other doctor um oh it's bothering me but it's a great it's a great film if you haven't seen mash the movie it's great the tv show is also superb i mean classic i mean anyways um i don't know i really like this movie i think i already talked about what i didn't like so i don't really yeah. have anything i didn't like um do we have ratings and recommendations Yes, well, I was going to tell go over what I, I really liked and uh, what I kind of didn't oh, like yeah. real quick. Um, yeah, so what I one of my favorite aspects of this movie um, is legitimately the editing. I feel like a lot of people, it may be jarring to them, but like one of my favorite things about the editing is that when you watch it and you're really paying attention, you're realizing it's bits of John's clairvoyance coming mm. through. So, for example, like the scene with the scaffolding, you actually see the glass fall. Yeah. And what it is is that John is seeing the glass mm-hmm. fall, but he's not paying attention. It's something he's not paying attention to until it actually hits yeah. him. And then he's fucked because he's hanging by the rope. So it's like stuff like that is really like 
really fascinating and really, really cool. Um, and it definitely adds like this great layer to this movie of confusion, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I feel like John must be suffering for this whole time of what's real, what isn't real, what's really going on. Um, the only thing I didn't like is that I felt like there was parts of the movie um, that were a little long-winded, just my opinion. Like the sex scene. Um, well, the sex scene, like, was actually, like, kind of, it feels like now an integral part of the movie after all these years. But I feel like there was a lot of things they did to make John and Laura more of a natural couple that I think they let um, Sutherland and Christy, like, improvise a lot. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think now as I get older, I just kind of, like, when something's over, like, an hour and a half, I just maybe need, like, a five or yeah. ten minute potty break. I had to so, take a break because something, I had to yeah. go get something. So, like, I, yeah. maybe that's why it flipped. But, it, I mean, some stuff was a little bit like, okay. I was a little bit like, when are they going to mm -hmm. get to, like, the scary part? But it's more of a moody yeah. movie than scary. Although, if you don't know what's coming yeah. at the end. Exactly. I'm sure that was pretty frightening. Yeah. For audiences. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty damn freaky. It's definitely one of the first, like, big twists you probably, I, I mean, audiences probably ever seen in a movie. I mean, I would oh, say like Psycho. this and Psycho. Yeah. Because yeah. that was a big twist um, at the end of Psycho. You're like, yeah. oh shit. It's spoilers. Well, like, Norman. I think a lot of people, <laughs> I think a lot of people keep forgetting that Anthony Perkins is, Anthony Perkins is like an all American boy. So, like, you never, it's like he's so cute he and is. he's so sweet. And oh my God. He he's is and he was. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I love, love him. Anthony Perkins. Um, he got but, pigeonholed from Psycho, which yeah. sucks. Because, like, I mean, yeah. I think he could have had... I mean, I don't know. He's so good. He's so good. And so good looking. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I can understand. And sorry, Oz Perkins. I don't think Oz Perkins got a lot of his dad's genes, but he does look like his dad's son. But I will... Yeah. I, I feel like he got a little bit... He's... Well, I don't know. Uh, Anthony Perkins was kind of gawky and skinny, too. That's kind of why, like, uh, yeah. Norman Bates is so uh, not scary, because it's like, oh, like, oh, he's just kind of a shy guy. It's fine. And then he says, like, something real weird about his mother. And you're like, oh, okay. This is not okay. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Off, to off topic, on topic. But speaking of people and their children. So I just recently started watching The Boys. Yes, to the seven people that were like, you need to yeah. watch The Boys. I you need to watch it, The Boys. I watched, um, a, like, the first half of the first season. And I really, really liked it. So, like, I know, like, the lead actor who plays Huey is, like, a Quaid. And I was like, is that Dennis Quaid's child? And sure enough, not only is it Dennis Quaid's son, it's Dennis Quaid's and Meg Ryan's son. Oh! Yeah, and I was like, I did not see Dennis Quaid or Meg Ryan in there. No, I think he's Doesn't really good, like though. I think he's a good actor. Also, yeah. isn't Simon Pegg he's his a good dad? Actor. Yes, yes. I love Simon Pegg. Yes. Simon Pegg, if you ever listen yes. to our podcast, please come on. Please. I want to do the Cornetto <laughs> Trilogy and interview Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Um, I love them. There's a there's a great That'd YouTube video awesome. of the two of them, like, reciting Get Lucky by Daft Punk. And I don't, I don't know if it's because they're British or they're just funny, but it makes me laugh every time I watch it. So sometimes when I'm just, like, down, I'm like, I'm just going to watch them right, sing Get Lucky. Yeah. Um, I love Simon Pegg. Um, but I was like, Simon Pegg! Simon Pegg's in this show! Um, I was very excited. But I think um, the lead character in The Boys is really good. I think he does a great yeah, job. Yeah, he's a good yeah, actor. He's... 
I don't mean I don't mean that like on the front on his acting. I'm just saying I would never guess that yeah. those are his parents because he doesn't really favor him. I mean, me. I can see it now that you say it. I think he favors Meg Ryan more than his dad, really. Like, because mm. Meg Ryan's such a iconic. Like, I'm thinking Meg Ryan and You've Got Mail, not. And Harry I think of Meg Ryan when Harry met Harry Sally. Harry met Sally, Meg yeah. Ryan. She didn't like. I don't think she had any surgery or something in between those. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that she has a very different look about her in You've Got Mail, and I, maybe it's just because she aged ten years. Um, but like, she looks different. She looks more like um, her son, whereas I don't think she looks very different. I don't. Maybe it's the long hair. I feel like yeah. short hair. I honestly like Meg Ryan a lot better with short hair. Um, but she looks like a she looks like a different person in When Harry Met Sally than she looks like in Sleepless in Seattle or You've Got Mail or Kate and Leopold. Like she looks. I don't know why, but When Harry Met Sally, I always forget it's Meg Ryan for some reason. Even though I know it's Meg Ryan. But she just seems like Sally. Whereas Billy yeah. Crystal is just going to be Billy Crystal. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just Billy Crystal. <laughs> Who I love. Um, and Carrie Fisher is Carrie Fisher. And Which, happy birthday, Carrie. Is it birthday today? Happy birthday, Carrie. I miss... I should have worn my Princess Leia t-shirt instead of something red. It's okay. You are, you are going in theme of the movie. Yeah. Um, she's my hero, so... Also, her daughter just had a baby. Billy Lord just had a baby. It <gasps> Did was like she a surprise. Really? She didn't tell anybody. Her she has a, she what? is engaged, and she had a baby during COVID. Um, but she didn't tell anybody. Wow. She didn't like announce it. She didn't do anything, which I think is smart, especially when you're a celebrity. I prefer that because then, like, like if something terrible, tragic happens, like then you have to like tell the whole fucking world about it like that's awful so like i yeah. always think like it's better just to like be like surprise i had a baby um than be like yeah i had a baby and then have to like you know break bad news it's better just to you... give everyone good news as a surprise but yeah she just had a baby yeah which i think is really that's cute insane. i think she has like four names because like she was trying to get her mom's last name and her dad's last name and everybody's and her fiance's last name all in it but um yeah i can't remember if it's a boy or a girl but she, billy lord had a baby so i just looked it up and it's a yeah. little boy kingston fisher lloyd rydell you know that's a hell of a name so many names kingston's cute though i do have four names too though so oh because you got married or did you two always have no, two mill two oh, middle okay. names. <laughs> I just have I just have one middle name. And my first name and my middle name are very short. And my last name's very short. Aww. So everything's very short. But I mean like it's a pretty name altogether. But like to me, like I was always kind of disappointed I didn't have like a longer name because like I find it very cool to have long names. I'm just Katie. Hey. And my middle name is Aaron. So it's very Irish, so I better be Irish if I take Ancestry.com or else my name is a lie. <laughs> I I was supposed to, like, they were going for a few different names for me, and, like, I thought either or would be cooler, so my mom's favorite movie is Somewhere in Time, so I was, they were thinking of the name McKenna for me. Oh, that's pretty. Which was, um, yeah, but and I really, 90s, really liked the name. Very McKenna. 90s preschool. Yeah. I thought it would be so cool. So they were going between McKenna and Rachel. And then they just decided they wanted something better that would sound better with my brother's name because his name's Brandon. Um, and so my dad was slipping for a magazine, saw a model. Her name was Brittany. 
he was like, oh, I didn't know. I never really heard of that name. That's really pretty. Um, <laughs> Fast forward to 2002 yeah. and everybody's named Brittany. <laughs> well, your parents beat it to everybody yeah. else. So. Yeah. So they were, try- they were trying to be original. Just unfortunately, they fell flat on their faces when it came to that. So. Uh, well, there's a lot of Katie's in the world, too. My parents were just like, he just looked like a Katie. And I was like, yeah, me and Aww. 45 other girls that day. But, Incidentally, okay. my little sister is named Katie. So <laughs> it's a good name. But, it's just it's very common. So, but her her name is short for Caitlin, and you're just Katie, right? Just Katie, just plain old Katie. Yeah. You can call yeah. me Kate too. My grandma used to call me Kate because she really likes Catherine Hepburn and everybody. Well, she liked. She's passed away now, but she and I both have a fondness for Catherine Hepburn, and um, yeah, and everyone called her Kate. So. Oh, and I guess, so I guess at this point we should, like, completely, because I just looked at the clock, um, we should finish wrapping up. Um, So, yeah, I do have a scale rating as well as our Grindhouse Girl podcast rating. Um, So I'm going to have to give this one an 8 out of 10. Um, Once again, I wouldn't call it a perfect movie, but I thought it was really enjoyable. I wasn't for sure what I was getting myself into, but I do like it. Um, Definitely would recommend it. Um, Would recommend it just, like, as part of, like, classic british cinema i feel like mm-hmm. it, it's a staple um i actually gave it the rating of v for visions and finish venice visions i, and I had a rated v one too which i would give it like a 7.5 because mm-hmm. i don't know the beginning where he doesn't resuscitate his child in time bothered me um but closer to an eight than a seven um i had rated v for the venice tourism board should sue apparently they almost did because they're like no one's gonna want to come to venice now they all think they're murdering people on our canals um and then rated r for red raincoats and weird sisters oh rated rated r for red raincoats and weird sisters yeah how about really weird sisters there you go, really weird sister. Because I was like, the red R R. I know, but I was like, it's it's boring if it's just red raincoats. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, so I had a couple choices for my choice for next week, and I was really sad I couldn't find Ringu on my streaming services to watch for one of our Halloween episodes. Um, so we're gonna do another Japanese horror movie. One that is absolutely infamous, I would say. And yes. One that, it was on Bravo Scariest Movie Moments, and it's right now on Shudder. Um, it's called Audition. Just Audition. There's a bunch of movies called The Audition. That's not the same one. Um, Audition. And it is a Japanese horror film um, about a man who's widowed. And he holds an audition for a new lady friend. And um, he gets um, more than he expected. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And less. Um, That's a thing. I have seen it, but it's been like 10 years. And I honestly, this was before streaming. I watched it on YouTube in parts. And I don't know if I watched it in the right order. So I know things about it, but I haven't watched it in a very long time. And Britt actually owns it, I think. Did you say Oh yeah, so um, being that weird anime kid, you naturally uh, <laughs> you naturally buy a lot of Japanese movies, and you're just like, I hear people talk about this Japanese movie, and then you're watching it as a twelve year old, going, "What the fuck am I? 
You watched it when you're 12? <laughs> Holy yes. shit. Yes. Uh, I watched that... it at like 19 and I was like, oh my god. Um, yes. But I, w- I think I fast forwarded through a lot of the not gory scenes because I was just curious. I was one of those like, I just want to see the gore. It was like, you know, when you're young and you think you can handle it and then you watch it and you're like, wow, that was super disturbing and I'm not going to sleep for three days. Um, so I will say this is definitely a trigger for violence. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a dog tooth for some people. I don't know if it will be. I don't know if it's a psych. I don't think it's psychological torture so much as physical. Yeah. Um, violence towards people. Um, uh, so probably if you are faint of stomach or heart, maybe don't watch this one. We won't yeah. be offended. But it is a horror classic. Um, everyone I've... talks about this movie. I feel like Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino were both inspired by this movie, if that gives you any idea of what There's kind of also movie it may be. Itchy the Killer, which I've always wanted to see, that's now Itchy on the Killer. Itchy the Killer is part of a series of movies, mm-hmm. I want to say. It's like a trilogy. It so. is. Yeah. Okay. But I, I've heard the first one's like just real good. Um, but, I, but it's also supposed to be very, very um, disturbing, but it's by the same director. of audition so um yeah i'm i don't know if i'm excited um but i i feel like we'll probably have a lot to talk about um because this movie i'm surprised this movie hasn't gotten an american remake since they were so into it um in the early 2000s and this was a i think 1999 maybe yeah it was yeah another we like we said weird movie year like good movie year but also very strange ones is it, i think no american psycho was in the 2000s oh right? I, or was, was it 99 it, no, was, i think it was 99 with like fight club and american beauty and uh boondock saints um yeah 99 was a really good year for film i think oh, people thought it's 2000 but i think is it was it, early 2000 but okay. i mean like those two years people were like working on stuff because you know the millennium so it's um i know we gotta get ready to get off because i'm like starting to get tired okay but um highly recommend this movie we are going to have to go because it is very late and we both have to go to jobs in the morning yeah um but we want to say that we love you guys and we want to thank you for listening and subscribing it really helps us out um also we had a a fangirl moment this week this will be several weeks in the making but I posted our artwork for this week on our Instagram post. And I did, I kind of, I toyed with promoting it. I actually paid for promotion just because I was curious what would happen if I did. I paid for a very, the smallest you can pay for. Um, But before I even promoted it, uh, Nathan Basil, a.k.a. Leslie Vernon from Behind the Mask, liked our Instagram post. And it looks like his actual Instagram because like it has personal photos he's talking to fans and uh i was like oh my god uh uh, uh, uh." i started laughing in the car and i made a really cringy instagram post on my personal instagram i was like oh my god but i didn't want to put it on ours because i was afraid i'd say something stupid but um thanks for liking our instagram post because you're one of my favorite actors and one of my favorite halloween movies and um it meant a lot just throw that like out there. Thanks, man. My parents were like, where? It was. It was pretty cool. My parents were like, where can we see this? And I was like, he just liked it. Like, it's not like he's talking to me or anything. It was just, I thought it was cool. 
I don't know. It was the first, like... It is yeah, awesome. It's the first, like, celebrity encounter we've had. Um, that was cool. Um, yeah. But thanks for listening, guys. And uh, next week's movie is going to be Audition. And it's on Shutter. if I didn't already say Woo! that. And um, we will see you next week. Yep, same spooky time, same spoopy channel. Um, and stay spooky. <laughs> stay spooky, y'all. Yes, and drink Hydrate, your water. Have a good night. Take your vitamin C, get your face <laughs> shot, and wear a mask. Yes. Wear a Behind mask. Behind the mask is COVID. Uh, Behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, it's too soon. <laughs> okay, we love you guys. <laughs> Bye, Brett. Bye. Bye, Katie. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.